Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Um, as, as we get started, um, I do know that there is a very special thing happening today. Um, some of you guys may notice that very often on a Sunday morning, there's a particular student who gets up right here in front and walks out and walks back, and sometimes I'll say, hi, Jordan. Today's Jordan's birthday. So Jordan, will you just get it out of your system now? Just go ahead and stand up real quick. Let's just do this. Just stand up. Everyone, everyone knows who you are because you do it anyways. But, but um, if you guys would just join me and just, we don't have to sing it, but we can just give a big on three, happy birthday, Jordan. One, two, three. Happy birthday, Jordan. And Harold, I know it was your birthday yesterday too. Happy birthday, Harold. <laughs> so there, just, are you good? You good? Yeah, all right, sweet. If you have your Bibles, um, open them up to Ephesians chapter 5 as we dive in. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, welcome everyone for joining us online. Um, is it cold enough for everybody out there right now? Man, so I, um, growing up in California, we never had this kind of weather. And um, yesterday, I think it was yesterday, we, we have an Alexa device at home and we get our weather updates from it. And so we're like, you know, Alexa, what's the weather? And it said, you know, today it's uh, 30 something degrees. Tonight there'll be a cool of seven degrees. It said, cool of seven degrees. And I remember when I'm sitting there at the table, I said, what? And I had it repeat it just so I could see, and because it's the screen one of the, the show, so it said it, and it had a seven degrees thing on there. And I thought, this is too cold. So I texted some of my pastor friends this morning, and um, I know there's some other churches in Washington and some in Oregon that have been snowed out this morning. And so I texted him and said, praying for all you guys this morning, especially those of you who have cold weather, that everything's okay. And one of my pastor friends named Anthony said, yeah, it's a brisk minus four last night, and their, degree, their temperature right now is seven degrees. So, um, so, so pray for people around today. They're not, not knowing what to do with all this cold weather. But um, I love that we're here, whether, like I said, you're in person or online. I love that we're here. We get to celebrate. And um, I love what God is doing already this year in this church and in people's lives. So we're, we're going to dive in this morning, continuing on our series on time. And so Ephesians 5 and also bookmark Matthew 5, 37. And we're going to go through a lot of scripture today, but we're going to mainly look at those two passages. Now, as we dive in, I need, to, I need to confess something with all of you. My name is Dustin, and I go through, hi guys, I go through, I go through seasons where I waste a lot of time. A lot of time. Can anyone join me in that? Is it, you look back, you go, man, I just wasted time, whether it was today or yesterday. But you look back, you're like, man, I, just, I was a bad steward of my time. Now, some of you may think this is not a waste of time, but it can be. Um, I have the ability to channel surf. Like, just sit there, flipping through channels. And if it's not channels, it's looking through the vast selection on Netflix. But I have like selection phobia, I don't know what you call it, where you're just like, no, 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 no. And sure enough, you waste 30 or 40 minutes even trying to select a show. Because the options are just, there's so much. Do I want to watch a comedy? No. I want to watch action? No. Do I want to watch a documentary? That's never a yes. But you know, I just keep, I just keep going. But figuring out, what do I want to watch? And I can waste time. But then you finally select a show. And you hear the most satisfying sound. That, for me, signals accomplishment. <laughs> I did it. I am, fine. I am now zoned into what I want to do, and it's so satisfying. But I waste time. I also waste time on social media. Um, I don't post a ton, but, but I do like to scroll through and read posts, and um, 
I, I, you know, I see something that gets me upset and I do something really revolutionary. I just keep scrolling. No, I'm just not even going to reply to that one. You just keep going. Um, but I, I get you know, caught in people's stories and reels. And I, I, have a lot, I have a lot of fun doing that, though, seeing what people are posting about. Um, but I can waste a lot of time real fast doing things like that. Um, I can also use a lot of time. This isn't necessarily wasting time, but I can use a lot of time by saying yes to a lot of things. Like over saying yes, yes, yes. And if you know me, you know that I hardly ever say no. Specifically, if people want to get together and hang out. I'm always the yes person, and then reality hits that I said yes to 10 people at the same time on the same day, and I have to then um, try and make it all happen anyways. But I, I say yes a lot. And I forget that I double booked or triple booked, and then something turns into a no, and then I feel bad because I said yes, and I don't like saying no. Or maybe you're the opposite. Maybe you're the no person. Like people are like, hey, we're going to do this. No. That, that's your go-to. And then maybe you can change and go to yes, but, but your default is a no. Or, or maybe in, in the church setting, and if you've grown up in church or been in church long enough, or if you've served or worked in church, you hear this phrase. You hear, hey, I'm thinking about this, want you to join, or for whatever it is, but then you hear this phrase said to you, it's, let me pray about it. Now, when people say, let me pray about it, honesty check. Who's thrown that out there with all the right intentions, but then you didn't pray about it? And the next time you thought about it was when that person called or texted and you were like, oh no. So you do the quick, Jesus, should I do this? I don't know. I'm praying about it still. I'm praying about it. I haven't heard back yet. I'm trying to figure out what I need to do. But just time got in the way. You weren't smart about your time or whatever time did, you forgot to do it. And, and I've been there. All these things that we do take precious time. And if we aren't careful, then our time gets away from us instead of us being really good stewards of our time. So we started a series called Redeeming Your Time, and a quick recap. If you open your Bibles to Ephesians 5, 5, 15 to 17, wouldn't it be great if every time you opened your Bible, you heard that? You're like, all right, God, it's time. Bum, bum, yes. Now, last week we said this. If you want to redeem your time, the first principle was this, start with the word. The word is powerful. The word is forever. It, will, it doesn't change. God's word doesn't change. If you want to redeem your time, start here. And we can say that's the answer to so many different questions. I'm not sure what to do about this. Have you spent time with God about it? Have you read his word? Have you really sought him and used his words to look through and answer what you're going through? Start with his word. Ephesians 5, 15 to 17 says this. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. See, it says God commands us, and I love the New King James translation because it says that phrase, redeem the time so that we can do the will of the Lord. So then that's what we're talking about. What does it mean to redeem your time? What does it mean to do the will of the Lord? How do we redeem our time? Who do we look at for the ex ultimate example of using time wisely? And like everything else with our lives, God provided us the perfect example with Jesus. God provided the absolute perfect example when he sent Jesus on how to redeem your time. And when we talked about this last week, some of us may still be wondering, how can Jesus help me manage my time? I mean, Jesus doesn't have, he didn't have the things that we have today. Jesus did not have a smartphone. He did not have those emails and notifications dinging day in and day out. He didn't get, he didn't get to scroll through stories, you know, the Netflix scrolling. That, that wasn't around when Jesus was here. So he didn't have to deal with what we had to. 
He didn't have the, the smartwatch or the Apple watch. He didn't have the, the binge time or the, the quiet time or the, the shaming thing Netflix does when it says, are you still watching? It's making you feel guilty, the fact that you just binged two seasons of that show. He didn't spend hours on Instagram, TikTok, or Snapchat. So how can Jesus be a good example and steward for us on how we steward our time? Hebrews 4.15 reminds us that we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. You see, when Jesus came and took on our flesh, he took on our time. He walked among us. His time on earth was limited. He had to be intentional with his time. He, had to, he was able to empathize with our weaknesses, including our efforts when it came to managing and redeeming our time. You see, all throughout the Gospels, Jesus, so many times as you read, he was interrupted. Does anybody here hate being interrupted? Like you're in the middle of something and someone jumps in and it just drives you crazy. I, I am a master interrupter and my wife tells me all the time, you interrupted again. I'm sorry, I just have a lot to say. I gotta get it out there. But, but I interrupt a lot and then I feel bad after, but, but some people hate being interrupted. I'm sorry if I've interrupted you. But Jesus was interrupted a lot. In the middle of his messages, in the middle of his journeys, he was going from point A to point B because someone needed him. People would intercept him and interrupt his time. And here's a couple examples. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus is going to heal the daughter of a man who is dying, or she's dying, and he's distracted by a woman grasping his cloak. And he doesn't just say, okay, you're fine. He stops, and he talks with this woman. And all meanwhile, the, the girl's dad is going, come on, my daughter's dying. We've got to go, Jesus. But he stops, and he does something because he was interrupted. Jesus was teaching in a house full of people, and a sick man was dropped through the roof so Jesus could heal him. I don't think any of us has ever had someone dropped in from the roof while you're doing something, but that would be a major distraction. That would be a major interrupt. That would be more interrupting than Jordan getting up and walking out in the middle of, you know, the, the front row here. But, you know, it's, it's, things can be distracting. And I, I wonder if Jesus uh, had a hard time, you know, in the middle of, you think he's getting lowered through the roof. That means they had to be breaking through the roof while he was talking. So there's a lot going on in this passage, right? But I wonder if when that was done, was Jesus able just to go all right, where was I? And continue on what he was doing or if it was, if it was hard for him at all to get back in the mindset because I know that there are things that are distracting and if that were to happen here, I mean, there, there'd be you know lawyers and lawsuits involved, but there, there'd be stuff happening. But I would be really distracted and it'd be really hard to get back into the where was I or, or what was going on because my time had just changed. Now, throughout scripture, we see that Jesus did have to deal with time management issues. And I'm not saying he was bad at it. I'm saying he had to deal with it, just like we have to deal with things today. He had time that he had to manage. And last week, we saw the first of seven principles of how Jesus managed his time. He started with the word. He started with his father, prioritizing that above everything else. And today, we're going we're gonna to look at two more, I think, of timeless principles we can apply today on how we can redeem our time using examples from Jesus. So the first one today, which is number two in our series, is let your yes be yes. Let your yes be yes. To redeem our time in the model of our Redeemer, Jesus, we have to ensure that our yes is yes from the smallest commitments to the biggest commitments that we make. Now, I'm going to define a new term for us today. Uh, maybe some of you have heard of this, but it's, there's a term called an open loop in, in your minds and in your schedule. An open loop is a commitment that you've made to someone. It can be a big commitment. It can be a small commitment, but then you forget to follow through on it. We've never done that, right? But you make a commitment and you forget to do it. Um, you, you say, I'm going to send you a link to that, to that book so you can order that book. Or I'll get this for you. Or yeah, I'll send you that email when I get home. Just there, you, you created an open category of something to do, but then you don't get back to closing it 
what you have now is actual and open loop. Now, we all, if we look, if we think about it, we have open loops. We have open loops, missed commitments. Uh, we've told someone we're going to come to an event. The day comes and we completely forgot. Or you promised your boss, yes, I will have that on your desk tomorrow morning. And, um, and then you didn't. Then your head pops off your pillow the next day. You're like, oh, no, that was due yesterday. You know, just the open loops and open commitments, things come up and we weren't able to get to it. Now, in isolation, those things don't seem like such a big deal, just, you know, if it's a small one. But however... I think failing to do the things that we say we're going to do is much bigger than letting something slip through the cracks. And I'm not talking about just forgetting about something. I'm saying when you say, yes, I'm going to do something, and then you intentionally you don't do it, that's a bigger issue than just forgetting to do something. Because what just happened now is that that's a matter of character, and that's a matter of trust. And because it's a matter of trust, the stress that open loops cause, they should, and and in my experience, they do, affect me in negative ways. And I think when we do something like that, it can affect our mentality in negative ways as well that affects then our attitude as we move forward through our life, ultimately in how we relate with Jesus. And why is this? I think that's because in Scripture we see Jesus say this. He says, let your yes be yes. In Matthew 5.37, he says, but let your word yes be yes, and let your word no be no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. Now, um, author and teacher Jen Wilkin states it like this in her book. Um, her book is called In His Image, and she says this. Do we, uh, Christians, do what we say we will do? Do we let our yes be yes and our no be no? Ultimately, every act of faithfulness towards others is an act of faithfulness towards God himself. Though others may make commitments they have little intention of keeping, the children of God strive to prove that their word is their bond. They do so not to win the trust or approval of others, but because they long to be like Christ. They long to hear with their ears, well done, good and faithful servant. In, in addition to, to being a command of Jesus, when we fail to keep our commitments, or in other words, we, we, when we don't close those open loops that we create, we can feel anxiety and we can feel stress and it actually affects the brain. And this is backed by science and scripture. So, so first we'll start with the science part of it. What's funny is I was actually talking with Donald about this a long time ago. There's a term, I'm going to butcher the word, but I think it's called the Zygarnik effect. Zygarnik effect, which is essentially what happens. Let's say you hear a song, and it's an annoying song, but you only hear part of the song. What happens to that song for the rest of your day? You cannot get that song out of your head. I was really tempted to play a portion of a song for all of you today and just be like, now you're all in it, right? But, but something happens, and it's in your head the rest of the day. You know what happens in your mind? Your mind will keep replaying the song over and over. You keep thinking you're hearing parts of it and parts of it over and over. Now, have you ever had this happen where you actually know how to resolve it? The science behind it says to resolve it, you have to actually listen to the whole song. Or, at least in your head, sing and go through the whole song from start to finish. Once you do that, your brain checks it off. Like your brain actually has an unfinished list where it says, haven't done it, haven't done it, haven't done it. But once you do that, it's like, we're done. Cue that Netflix sound, ba-bum, right? It's, it's finished, you did it. Now, the other loophole to, to fixing that is I was talking with Donald about it, we said there's actually, you could, if you replace it with something else, but you complete that thing, your brain registers it again as a completed task and it's able to move on. But that's the way your brain scientifically handles things. Now. Otherwise, you're just going to have it in your head all day. Now, having a song stuck in your head can be really, really annoying, but it's, I mean, it's not a huge deal. 
But if you want to apply the same principle to the open loops caused in your life by, by unexternalized tasks and commitments, can you imagine how hard it's going to be to focus the more open loops you have just going in your head because you haven't finished things that you said you're going to do or you need, your, you need to go do? That's what happens. And we can lose track of time because it causes stress and anxiety. When you forget to pick up your prescription from the doctor for the fourth time, you aren't just forgetful. Well, you are, but, but you're also human. You're human, right? We, we do that. God, God didn't design our brains scientifically to hold a million short-term memory things all in once. Um, scientists say your short-term memory can only hold three or four major things at a time before you start replacing them and forgetting to do things. That, that's incredible. Only three or four things at a time, but you can remember who your first grade teacher was. and you know, just, It's crazy how short-term and long-term memory works. If you ask my wife about certain things, she'll go, I don't remember what they talked about. I remember what they were wearing, the shoes they had, and how their hair looked on that day. But when we have a conversation about a movie we watched last week, she goes, I don't remember anything about it. I remember I liked it. It's short-term memory and long-term memory, right? The size of the commitment is irrelevant. As the brain science makes it clear, if I say I will do something and fail to write that down and, of course, do it, my stress and anxiety will build, and stress comes from unkept agreements with yourself and others. There's good news, though. Science shows that we don't have to actually close all the loops in order for our brains to let them go. We have to place them into trusted systems outside of our minds. So whether that's actually through your mind fixing it, writing it down on a Post-it note, putting it somewhere where you can see it, but getting it out of your head and putting it somewhere can actually help check that box. The method doesn't matter, just a way to check it in a system to track your open loops. The brain is a crazy thing, and this will check the box your brain makes. So, so now that we're all brain scientists, right? We've got it. We have, expert, we have experts on how the mind works. What does scripture say about our commitments and how these, these open loops work? Because the word and phrase open loop doesn't appear in scripture. The, the Bible doesn't say to manage your time, close your open loops. So, so what does it say? But the, the Bible also doesn't give you a study on brain, the brain science as well. But Paul addresses the connection between unexternalized concerns and anxiety. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, this is one of my all-time favorite passages. It says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Jordan, I almost thought that was you. I was going to call you out, man. <laughs> Paul is saying, though, that the solution to this anxiety... The solution to this stress and clearing our minds for concerns and requests in this case is through prayer. When we let our yes be yes, we let our, our no be no, we can close open loops. We don't have to, to keep track of tasks that we say we're going to do, like, like make a definitive statement on it. Let's do it or not. Saying yes is okay. Saying no is okay. I'm still learning that one, but saying no, it is okay. I think the thing is making sure that we take back those moments. We follow through with what we say we're going to do. Let our yes really mean that yes. Let our no really mean that no. And then we can relieve anxiety from our life. We can close loops, take back the time, redeem it for good purposes, and relieve stress and anxiety all in one fell swoop. And when it comes to our yeses and nos, we, we do have to be careful about what we say yes and no to. I'm not saying if you're a no person, start saying yes to everything. Or if you're a yes person, start saying no now to everything. I'm saying be intentional about it. It's okay to say, let me think about it, let me, let me pray about it, if you really are going to go pray about it. But think about it, and then say yes or say no. But a lot of that comes from our desire to serve. We, we want to serve others. When we see friends or family that need something, we want to be there for them. We want to help them. 
But know that when you say yes to go do something, or when you say no to go do something, you've just take a part, you just took a part of your time and either redeemed it or used it for one task or redeemed it or used it for something else, whether it's for yourself or someone else. Saying a yes to someone else means you're serving someone else. That will take time. But you also have to care for yourself. It's, 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 it's almost common sense, but we don't always practice it. You can't care for others if you're not caring for yourself. If you're not caring for yourself, you're not going to be able to care for others, and you will sacrifice yourself in all the good ways in the long run. Simply said, yes and no, they're super important. Two very important words, two very big words that we need to be careful how we use them. Someone once said it this way, every time you say yes to something, you are saying no to something else. And every time you say no to something, you have the ability to say yes to something else. And so I think it's important that we make sure we prioritize what are we saying yes to. And we're going to talk about that in a few weeks, prioritizing the yes. So, so what's the point, though, of all of this? I think Jesus wants us to be intentional with our yeses. Be intentional with your no's. Sometimes you have to say no, and that's okay. It's even healthy to say no. So my kids, Aurora, understand. I think she's in the nursery right now. I need, I need her to understand. When mom says no, mom is being healthy not just denying our daughter. We don't just want to see her miserable and not be happy. We say no for a reason. Sometimes saying no is redeeming your time. Sometimes saying no is being a good steward of practicing boundaries. It's honoring Jesus so you can take care of yourself and honor him in ways that he's called you to be honorable with your time. Saying yes is a good thing. Be clear on what we say yes to. People, we need each other in this church. There are a lot of people going through a lot of hard things that need help all the time. And they, they turn to us. They turn to you. Say yes. Be there for people. But make sure you're being intentional with your yes or with your no. Saying yes to be clear. Prioritize what you need to walk with Jesus, to serve Jesus, to love his people. Letter yes be yes. In, in order to follow Jesus' command and example and to reduce anxiety and stress, be intentional with how you say it. And speaking of stress and anxiety, I, I want to talk about another principle about redeeming our time because stress and anxiety can, can really mess up everything in life. Um, one time, I actually got physically sick from so much stress I was going through in a short period of time. My body shut down. I got a fever, and, and the doctor actually told me when I went in, I was kind of explaining what's going on. He said, you are overly stressed, and this is literally crippling you physically. And then once I was able to relieve some of that stress, it was crazy how fast I recovered. Stress and anxiety messing in a bad way. So I think this is important. The third principle for redeeming your time, descent from the kingdom of noise. Descent from the kingdom of noise. To, to redeem time, we need to make sure we're fighting to block out noise, creating room for silence, creating room for solitude and self-reflection. And believe me, when I say go somewhere and create time for silence, create time for solitude, create time for self-reflection, that is really hard for me to say. I am the first to admit, I hate being alone. I hate being silent. I hate sitting by myself and doing anything by myself. Um, one time, my wife and, and kids, when we lived in California, actually, we have friends that live in um, bon or Gig Harbor. They flew up here to spend four or five days with their friends in Gig Harbor, and it was for the first time generally in my life I was by myself. I went from living in a house of 15 kids to roommates in college to moving back home with my family, getting married and living with my wife. I've never lived by myself. For about a week, I was by myself. It was the worst week of my life. It was horrible. 
I remember I was working at Creekside, and I was talking to the, the, the worship director and the creative arts director who I was really close with, and after my first day, so this is just Monday, Tuesday, I said, can I come over after work, guys? They're like, yeah, sure. I was like, can I come over tomorrow, too? <laughs> and Thursday. <laughs> and, and we laughed. I was like, I, I cannot go home from work and just be like, well, I'm home. This is great. <laughs> I, just, I just couldn't do it. <clears throat> but all that to say, we need to find time. We need to find time to create room for silence, stillness, and reflection. Noise is everywhere. Noise is absolutely everywhere in our lives. And it can be the biggest distraction from taking away our time and shifting our focus from the things of God to the things of the world. Has anyone here read uh, C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters? It is a great book. And if you've read this book, you've heard the phrase, the kingdom of noise before. It was prominent in the book. We live in a time of unprecedented noise. It is absolutely everywhere, and, and I'm not just referring to the obvious external noise created by news and entertainment and um, the buzzing devices in our pockets and phones and watches and purses and all, all I'm not referring to just those things. I'm referring to what all the external noise creates, and I think a lot of external noise can create a lot of internal noise that can be more distracting than anything. Have you ever tried to sit down and pray for just a minute? Just one minute, but you find your mind just wandering because you think a minute is, is really, really long. If you're not focused, a minute can seem like a really long thing. And I, I did this a couple years ago, but I'm going to do it again. I would love everybody real quick to stand up. We're going to do an experiment. All right. I'm going to have you guys, as soon as my, I'm going to say go. And when you think one minute has passed exactly, I want you to sit down. Now, the, the bummer is, of course, now I have to wait for my clock to actually just shift to the next minute on my watch because I don't have my phone up here with me. Anyone think they're going to be a good judge of exactly just one minute? All right, who remembers doing this a couple years ago? Oh, not that many of you. Good. Uh, someone's setting a timer. Don't cheat. I heard that beeping. Okay, and go. I'm going to let longer than a minute go by so you know if you're wrong, too, just so you know. It was about a minute 10 seconds ago. Okay, so <laughs> a lot of you are pretty close. Nailed it. A couple of you sat down early. A couple of you I knew as I was looking around. You're like, I'm not going to sit until he says it's time. I know how to win this game. I know this, right? But just one minute in silence can be awkward sometimes. It can be really awkward, especially if you're not focused, right? But there's noise. Noise can distract us. So when you say, God, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to give you a minute of prayer, sometimes we think, man, I just, I just can't focus on this minute because there's so much noise in my life. It's blocking my concept of this time right now with Jesus. Noise has the ability to, to 
lose our focus, and I want to talk about five ways that I know noise distracts me and how it can distract all of us. One, the noise in our life. The noise limits our ability to think. Noise absolutely limits our ability to think. When our minds are filled with noise, there's simply no mental space to think. And then, then we can't think clearly. We can't prioritize our to-do lists or those, those open loops in our head. We can't figure out how to close those because there's just so much going on and we can't effectively engage in the work God has called us to do. Good work requires good thought. Good thought requires good solitude. And I don't just mean like music or background noise. I mean when the stresses of life, the heaviness of sin, things that flood your mind, shift your focus and, and cause stress and anxiety, that's all noise. We need to learn how to work out, get the noise out and focus on our time. Second thing is noise limits our ability to be creative. No, noise limits those opportunities to be, be focused and, and thus creative. I, if we don't have the space to work out our God-given gift of creativity, I think it's going to be far more difficult to be productive, just in general with, with tasks in life. Uh, Genesis 5.1 says this, when God created humankind, he made them in the likeness of God. When God made us in his image, he made us in his likeness. One of those things is we serve a creative God, and he gave us the ability to be creative. As a matter of fact, it was our job to go create and do new things in the earth. He wants us to think, to build, create, exercise this gift that he gave us. And we have our minds filled with noise and we can't focus. It is hard, really hard to create. I know that when I'm studying a passage or preparing for a message, if there's a lot of noise in my life, it gets really, really hard to focus. And I, like I said, I don't just mean the noise of, of someone coming to my office because I love it when people come in my office um, or when someone says, hey, we need, you know, can you talk to me about this? I like that. But, but when there's stress in my life or, or conflict happening, that creates noise that's really hard to focus for me. I know in my life right now, I had probably, in, in, a, in the long time, one of the hardest weeks of my life, just emotionally, with a lot of different issues and things going on. It was really, really stressful. And it was really hard to focus. There were a lot of times this week where I would sit down, I was like, man, there's just so much going on that's weighing on me that I have to work through a lot of things with family and friends. And if I'm not careful to, to deal with it or, or work through or block out some of that noise, I'm going to have a really hard time spending, with, hard time, spending time with God. And, and exercising that creativity he put in me to work together this message and, and do what he's called me to do. Noise limits our ability to create. Noise also limits our ability to cultivate depth. God, God didn't design our minds to merely receive information. He created us to think about it, to make connections, to relate with other people and uh, relate between various inputs. If we fail to, to make time to do this thinking alone, then we're, we're going to have a really hard time doing it with others. We're going to have a hard time doing it with our spouse, with our kids, with our friends. And how, how many people have been physically present somewhere, but you've been mentally somewhere else? Hopefully it's not right now, right? But you're physically somewhere and you're mentally, you're, you're just, you're not there. There's too much noise. You're, you're a million miles away. It's likely because you didn't have adequate time to think and process during your day because there's so much noise. Noise can hinder that. Noise can hinder our noise limits our ability to be at peace. Think about that verse back in Philippians that, that Paul wrote. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, this is the next verse. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Did you catch that? Paul's not just saying we shouldn't just be anxious. He's saying, don't just be anxious. Shift that to prayer. 
Shift that to thinking of the things that are good, that God has given us that are excellent and noble and right and pure. When we do those things, then we'll have this peace, the peace that comes from God, the peace that only he can give you when we think about his goodness and his excellent and praiseworthy things. Keep reading that. Make sure you make that list of things you should think about, right, noble, pure, lovely. And, and why does Paul do that? I, I think it's because he knows that part of the solution to our anxiety is found that if we're choosing to think about the noise and information, that noise and information is going to be a hindrance on our life. But if we choose to dwell on Jesus instead, he has the ability to work through and block out that noise and make sure our time with him is well spent and very beneficial. And lastly, but I think most importantly, noise will limit our ability to listen to God's voice. Pastor uh, John Mark Comer said it like this. He said this, The noise of the modern world makes us deaf to the voice of God, drowning out the one input we most need. The noise of the modern world makes us deaf to the voice of God, drowning out the one input we most need. Oh, that one, that stings. That one, if you really think about it, that that could be a real stinger, thinking, wow, this noise is making me deaf to what God is saying. Noise is an intentional part of the enemy's plan to keep us from redeeming our time and making it intentional with Jesus. The problem is less about what noise we allow into our minds and more about what noise we're keeping out, namely our own thoughts and our ability to listen to God's voice. I think it's important that that we resonate and understand the difference between hearing and listening to the voice of God. When we hear God's voice, we, we read his word. But here's the thing, quiet times, in all reality, aren't actually all the time quiet. Quiet times are a great time to have dialogue. Quiet times are a great time to be filled with good noise, the noise God is filling your life with. It's not just, you know, quiet time can be an intimidating phrase for an, an extrovert or someone that likes just stimulation because they think, man, me included, sitting down in a quiet room, that's tough. But in all reality, the times that I force myself to go, I'm going to be silent and quiet and spend time with God, those are some of the most exciting, loud, amazing times I have with God. They fill me up so much. When we read his word, when we study his word, when we hear his voice, it's loud and it's good. But it can take silence and reflection to listen and connect and let him instill his word in our lives. Silence, stillness, solitude, reflection, I think that's the difference between hearing God's word and listening to God's voice. So, so we all agree that, that too much noise is bad for us. So, so what do we do? Look at the perfect example of Jesus. Every time, look at Jesus. There's a number of times in the Gospels mentioned Jesus withdrawing to a solitary place, and it's staggering so many times. In the, in the book of Luke alone, in just one and a half chapters, there are three times that it says Jesus went off to a solitary place. He had to go be by himself. He had to go get filled up. My, my, one of my favorite mentions is the pursuit of solitude when it says this in Matthew 14, 13. He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place to get away from the crowds. He wanted silence so bad, he went out on a boat and said, I'm going to be on the water. Nobody can bother me if I'm out on the water. He went away. He, it was important to him. And it wasn't just, he wasn't just saying, I need me time. He went away, and every time he went away, he spent time with his father. That's how he got refueled. That's how he got rejuvenated. That's how he said, in order for me to manage the time that people are demanding, I need to make sure I'm managing my time with God, with my dad. Make sure I'm praying, I'm connecting, I'm listening to my father's voice. Parents, you can probably relate to this. When the kids are going crazy and you're just like, I need time. 
I need time away from my kids. We have a spot in our house. It's, it's hilarious. Stephanie can disappear to this spot in our house, and it's like nobody knows where she is. And the funny thing is, it's just one room in our house. She will go there and lay down, and the kids will walk by the room over and over. Mom, mom, mom. And she's tuning them out. They don't know where she is. I, I kid you not, they've walked in the room she's in, and they don't see her laying there. And they've walked out. And at one point, they were asking me, like, Dad, where's Mom? I was like, I haven't looked for her. I don't know. Did you check this room? That room? We were in there. She's not in there. She's got to be in the house. I walked in the room and didn't even see her there at first. It was, it was the most bizarre thing. And she's in plain sight just laying there. But for whatever it is, that is her solitude place. She goes there, and she knows it. Now, if I go disappear in this room, it's going to be like two hours before anybody knows that I'm missing. And I'm right here in the house. You can just be there, but it's so funny. We need to find a place where we can go, get away, relax, find solitude. And as you read scripture, you'll learn the busier Jesus got, the busier he got, the more it appears he found places to have solitude and that silence to redeem his time with us and with his father. Luke 5, 15 and 16 says this, the news about him spread all the more. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. The more Jesus was doing, the more time that was being demanded of him, he made sure he was still finding time to get away to be with his father. If we want to redeem our time, make sure that we are taking it back and we're in control of it and using, being good stewards of our time, make sure first and foremost, in the midst of the noise and the craziness going on, we follow the example of Jesus and we say, you know what's too important? To, too important, I can't cut this out? My alone time with God. Make it a priority more than anything. Have that time to let him refuel and refresh you. So to summarize so far where we've been, we've, we have three principles that we're, we're looking at. The first one, start with the word. Second one, let your yes be yes. And the third, dissent from the kingdom of noise. Sure, this is only the surface, I think. There's so much we can learn about Jesus managing his time, and we're going to dive into more of it next week. And I hope that as we, as we go through this uh, series together, we all become better stewards of our time. We manage our time. We learn to take care of ourselves in the best way possible. That way we can do what God has called us to do out in the world in the best way possible. Amen? I'd like to invite the worship team up and for all of you to stand with me as we get ready to close this morning. And know this, this is something from last week that I think this is so important for us as we go through noise in our lives, we go through open loops and things that, you know, songs that are in your head that you can't get out, just all the things that we're going through. Understand this, Jesus offers us peace before we do anything. Jesus offers you peace before you do anything. <clears throat> you don't have to do any of these practices to be perfectly loved by God, but I truly believe that it's because we love God that we want to serve God. We love because he first loved us. It's a response to his actions, what he's done for us. And because of that, we want to redeem our time. We want to be good stewards of it. We want to make sure we're doing the best possible with the short time we have here to serve him forever. Know that when we do that, scripture says, redeem the time so that we can do what? We can do the will of the Lord. And that's my prayer for all of us that we give God all that we are, we do his will more than anything, and we do the best of our ability managing our time for it. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for the, the perfect example you gave us um, of Jesus. And I pray, God, that um, as, we, as we go through our time and schedules, God, you help us redeem our time. You help us give it to you and turn it to you. 
And God, you do a work in our lives like never before. We block out noise, we block out distractions, we focus on you and hear your words above the world's. And that's what drives us each and every day. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.